I think we all know that the United Methodist Church has been in some turmoil, some confusion uh, in the last two months. Not quite sure where it's heading, what it's thinking, and so on. And Colleen and I thought that it, this would be a very good time for uh, us at King Avenue to examine our membership vows that, you know, what did, what did we agree to when we joined King Avenue Church? We're not going to go through all the membership vows in the next five, six Sundays, uh, but we are going to go through the ones that you know, that you're always asked, and those are, will you support King Avenue Church with your That's it. Will you support King Avenue Church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? What do you think I'm preaching on today? Prayers. Prayers. Okay. And I, I want to approach supporting King Avenue Church with our prayers with um, just the simple phrase, I'll pray for you. What do we mean when we say, I'll pray for you. Because that's usually how we express that thought of uh, supporting King Avenue with our prayers. I'll pray for you. And we usually have somebody in mind when we say that. Now, I, I want to admit that there are sometimes that phrase can be misused. Sometimes we'll say, I'll pray for you as a way to get away from that person, to terminate the conversation, to escape from the room. You know, what do I say to get out of this? I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'm out. Yeah. Um, another, another way we can say, I'll pray for you, isn't just a, a dismissal, it can be a way of avoiding the situation. We don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we feel we should do something, uh, maybe we don't want the situation to change, and we'll just say, I'll pray for you. I, I feel this a lot, um, that it's a way of avoidance with, um, when we hear it after a mass shooting, when our representatives say, you know, uh, they're in our thoughts and prayers. Well, we want something more than thoughts and prayers. That seems to be kind of a weak response um, that, that doesn't produce anything, and it can be a way of actually creating the illusion we're doing something when we're not. You know, I'll pray for you. Another, another way we, we might misuse this, I'll pray for you, is what I call hit-and-run praying. It's, um, it's what we, we often do to clear our desk on a Friday afternoon. Oh, I told Chris I'd pray for him. Oh, shoot, I forgot all week. Lord, help Chris. I'm in. And, you know... <laughs> And I'm done. I'm done. It's kind of drop it on God's plate. I've moved on. I've done my job. You know, I'll pray for you. It's not much. That isn't what it has in mind when the question is, will you support King Avenue Church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? We support it with your prayers. I'll pray for you means... I'll represent you before God and I'll represent God 
before you. It's a statement of commitment, of taking responsibility, of being involved in the person's life, of helping to carry their load, of carrying their cross. You know, I'll pray for you is kind of the equivalent of I'll talk to that person for you. Chris is having trouble with his, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have Chris to pick on. <laughs> Chris is having trouble with his landlord. He comes to me talking about his landlord. He doesn't know what to do. He's tried this, he's tried that. And I say to Chris, I'll talk to your landlord for you. I'll talk to um, rental agencies on your, on your behalf. You know, that's what I'll pray for you means. I'll get involved. I'll carry your cross. You're not alone in this. I'm with you. It's a statement of solidarity. I went to um, Central America in the late, well, it was over New Year's, so it was the late 80s and the early 90s. It's right there. Um, went to Central America, went to Guatemala, Nicaragua, and Honduras. This was the time um, when death squads were operating uh, in the, in, in, certainly in Nicaragua, in, in Honduras, and Guatemala, and, and the Contras were active in Nicaragua. And, and Christians were, were being disappeared. Um, fathers and mothers and children were, were disappearing. Sometimes their bodies would never be found. At other times, their bodies would be found in, in, a, in a field at the, at the garbage dump. And, um, you know, it was a time of high anxiety. And, and we went to some of the churches and, and Bible studies uh, in, in these countries. And it was not uncommon uh, to have a time in the service where the, where the leader would, would name the names of those who were missing, those who had disappeared, and those who, whose bodies had been found. Uh, and and the, the leader would, would give the name of the person, you know, Chris, and the people would respond, Presento. Maria, Presento. The congregation would represent the name of the disappeared person, that they were in solidarity with that person, that they cared, they were concerned. And in fact, by saying present and saying that person is present through me and through the congregation, they were taking a risk because they were aligning themselves with that person who had been disappeared by, by the death squads. Praying, I'll pray for you, can be more than a commitment and a sense of involvement. It can involve a risk, and it can certainly involve a sacrifice, maybe of our time, maybe of our money. The best definition I've come across of prayer is thinking our way into God's world. Thinking our way into God's world. And that's certainly what I think Jesus did when he prayed. 
You know, Jesus is praying all the time. He does a lot of miracles. He, he, he uh, feeds the hungry. He includes the excluded. And he's always praying. And I think what he's doing is he's not avoiding the world. He's not dismissing the world. He's thinking his way into God's world. And God's world is very much this world. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our bread. And Jesus is getting involved in God's world that God so loved to bring about reconciliation and to, and to bring about feeding and peace and forgiveness. When Jesus prays in the garden, you know, the night before his crucifixion, it's a, it's a prayer of solidarity. Lord, I'm praying for those you've given me. I'm praying for those around you. I'm praying for those who will come after me and after these people. Thinking his way into God's world of love and compassion. You know, I, I had that experience on Monday, Thursday, when this, the service ended, by sending us out to prayer stations around, around the church. And we, we prayed for the environment and the world and the climate, thinking our way into God's world, getting involved in God's world. We prayed for students and places where there had been mass shootings, thinking our way into God's world with concern. And we prayed for our world leaders. And we prayed for, prayed for victims of human trafficking. And as I did these prayers, I thought, there's more to this than just, just praying. There's actually a call for solidarity and for action that I should get involved in the environment, that I should get involved in the leadership of our church and our country. When we talk about um, community, I've come to the conclusion that community begins with a commitment to place. We're committed to a specific place. And when we're committed to that specific place, we begin to care about the litter and the alleys and the water and the air and the schools and the housing and the people we see on the street. You know, it's we care about the things of this place. And Christian community, going with the membership vows, begins with prayer, a commitment to this body that we see, that we hold in solidarity, that we pray for. If we pray for the children of this church. We then start to pray 
well, we start to get to know the children of this church and who are they. And then we start to pray for their Christian education and what goes on when they leave this room and what goes on at 10 o'clock. And then we start to wonder, do they need teachers? Do they need helpers? Do they need more money? Do they need camperships? And do they need scholarships to go to camp? It begins with, I support King Avenue Church with my prayers. But it leads to presence and gifts and service and witness. I'll pray for the tutors at Hubbard School, and pretty soon we wonder, maybe I ought to be a tutor. I wonder if they have the supplies they need. I wonder if the kids have warm coats. You know, I'll pray for the choir. God knows they need it. Yeah. Maybe I should sing in the choir. Am I supporting the choir enough? Am I supporting the music program enough? It leads to other things. The prayer that Paul begins with in the letter to the Colossians is a beautiful prayer. And Paul's basically saying, I'll support the church in Colossae with my prayers. I give thanks for those at the church. How would your life be different if you knew people were grateful for you? that you were a person that people gave thanks for. I'll pray for you. I'll pray that your eyes and your minds be enlightened so that you'll know what God's will is for you. Wouldn't that be great to know? Wouldn't that be great to have somebody praying for you? That you'll lead lives worthy of Christ, that you'll have the strength to lead that life, that you'll have the endurance to lead that life, that you'll be reconciling, that you'll be forgiving. I'll pray for you, not gossip about you, not delight in your failures, but I'll pray for you that you'll be transformed. And as we do that, we become transformed. When I served South Park Church in the late 80s and early 90s, there was a couple in the church, an elderly couple, Ruth and Henry Saylor. They were total opposites. Ruth was very efficient, very businesslike. She must have been an executive secretary before she retired. When she said she would do something, she did it, and you could count on it, and you didn't have to give it a second thought. Henry was all thumbs. He was bumbling. He was incredibly lovable. Uh, but he, anything he touched just fell apart. One day, Ruth um, had, a, had a tea at the retirement home where they lived, and I don't know, she hosted 
50, 60 people, put on the whole tea by herself, handled all the invitations, all the food preparation, everything. And I went up to Ruth afterwards, and I said, you know, Ruth, this was really great. You did a wonderful job. Did Henry help you? And she said, oh, John, I couldn't have done this with Henry's help. But, oh, he was just, he just welcomed everybody, and he was very warm, and he just felt important in Henry's presence. Henry um, was dying, and he'd been in hospice, and um, he was allowed to go home to their, to their cottage at the retirement village. And I visited Henry frequently as he was dying, and he, um, he wanted me to assure him that at the end, <clears throat> I would be present. That he wanted me to represent him to God at the end of his life. It was what Peter talks about, that we are priests, that we represent each other, to God, and we represent God to each other. And that was Henry's desire. So, in those days, when you didn't have cell phones, the secretary couldn't track you down. That was really a nice thing, you know. <laughs> but what you did, and I particularly did it knowing Henry's death was imminent, I would tell the secretary, um, I'm going to be in, in this area of Dayton, and I'm going to be visiting these people. So if you need me, call these people. So um, I left, and I, and I visited a couple people, and Grace, the secretary, did get the call from Ruth that Henry was dying, and the, the doctor had only given uh, Henry an hour or two to live. So Grace started on the list to call. Now, I didn't always go in order that I gave her. And um, she called the first person, and they said, oh, he's already been here. Called the second person, he's already been here. So then she just, you know, started calling, and she called the, uh, like, what would have been the fourth person, he hasn't been here yet. Okay, when he comes, tell him he's got to go see Henry. She called the third person, just in case, and she, the person said, he hasn't been here. When he gets there, call, have him go see Henry immediately. So I finally got the message, and I, I raced to Henry's bedside, and um, I was there to, um, to pray to him, for him, and to talk to God about him. And um, I was there when he died. And he died in, in God's loving arms. It was, a, it was a beautiful death. Well, I didn't, you know, I, I went back to the office and I went into the office the next day and I started getting calls and I started getting people coming in saying, um, did you make it in time? Did you make it in time? Did you get to Henry's bedside? I said, yeah, I did. And they said, well, we were praying for you. We were praying for you. And, you know, we were praying for Henry. And I thought, oh my gosh, the secretary started an impromptu prayer chain in the church. And there, the whole church was praying, and I thought, that's it. 
That's their membership vows, isn't it? I'll pray for you. I'll support King Avenue Church with my prayers. That's what they were doing. When we take communion, we can come up and it can be just between Jesus and me. It can also be a time for us to look at the people coming forward and think, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. We'll pray for each other. And we'll be involved in each other's life. Because that's what the body of Christ is. This solidarity of concern and commitment to each other. I'll pray for you. May it be so.